This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, April 10th, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. When Congress passed that big spending plan recently, there was something missing, according to Darpana Sheff, an attorney at the Institute for Justice. She says a popular reform to defund some kinds of federal civil forfeiture was missing. And it's just the latest disappointment for those who want a more rational system of law enforcement. We spoke last week. When Donald Trump took office... Uh, it was well known that his attorney general, Jeff Sessions, like, as far as I know, all previous attorneys general were very supportive of the practice of civil forfeiture, which is taking people's property without uh, charging them with a crime or uh, in some cases even arresting them. And uh, Loretta Lynch, of course, called this a wonderful tool without drawing any distinctions between uh, criminal and civil forfeiture. And um, Donald Trump, when he's been quizzed about it, at least in public, seemed not to really understand what the practice was. I think at one point he said something about, what, do we have to give the drugs back to the drug dealers? Um, Not really seeming to understand that this was just run-of-the-mill property that was being taken from uh, people, but now and now we have Congress that where a reform to this unconscionable practice seems likely, and uh, you tell me what happened. Sure. So, um, just a couple of weeks ago, when uh, Congress passed the uh, large omnibus spending bill, um, you know, it made all the headlines for this you know, twenty more than twenty two hundred page behemoth law and all the goodies that were in it. And I guess the big story here is what was not in that bill. And that was any kind of reform of our federal forfeiture laws. And so to see, uh, kind of give uh, listeners a little bit of background, last summer, Attorney General Sessions had resurrected uh, probably one of the most reviled uh, federal forfeiture programs known as adoptive forfeitures. And this is where state and local law enforcement officials can seize property under state law and then transfer it to federal authorities to so-called adopt the property and then pursue civil forfeiture under federal law. And in exchange, these state and local law enforcement officials will receive up to 80 percent of the proceeds from a successful forfeiture. And so, you know, why is this so bad? Well, apart from the uh, direct financial incentive that law enforcement is getting to keep forfeiture proceeds and use them to pad their budgets, um, adoptive, which is true of most forfeiture, uh, is, uh, true of all federal forfeitures, certainly, um, adoptive forfeitures are even worse because they provide a loophole for state and local law enforcement to evade stricter state laws um, that govern forfeiture. So, for example, there are many states like North Carolina that simply uh, abolish civil forfeiture and they only allow criminal forfeiture. Or other states make it harder for law enforcement to pursue uh, forfeiture because they uh, increase the standard of proof that the government has to show or they provide greater protections to property owners. Or many states make it even like less profitable for law enforcement officials to engage in forfeiture because they direct forfeiture proceeds to schools or other neutral funds rather than um, going back directly to law enforcement itself. And so IJ and others have criticized 
the adoptive um, forfeiture program, especially on federalism and Tenth Amendment grounds, because they essentially encourage unelected officials to make an end run around laws that are enacted by the people in that state. And so if you uh, to take a step back, back last summer in July of 2017, Attorney General Sessions had revived this adoptive forfeiture program under the Obama administration. It was sharply curtailed and adoptive forfeitures basically went down to zero. And last summer, Attorney General Sessions revived this program um, and essentially expanded federal forfeiture. Um, This policy change and reversal was widely criticized by many, um, including a lot of uh, uh, prominent people on the on the right, on the conservative side. So, for example, Senator Mike Lee uh, was very critical of this move. And even the editorial board of the National Review Uh, sharply criticized this expansion of federal forfeiture. About a couple months after that, in September, uh, the House of Representatives responded, and in this move of bipartisan unity, they overwhelmingly approved several amendments that would essentially defund the attorney general's policy expanding federal forfeiture. Um, Not a single representative voted against the amendments, or even voice support for Sessions' expansion of forfeiture. Um, And these amendments were going to be part of the omnibus spending bill. Um, So I guess the big news with the spending bill, you know, a lot of people are paying attention to what was in this more than 2,200-page behemoth. But here the big news is what was not in there. And these amendments that would have... um, defunded Sessions, uh, the attorney general's policy on forfeiture, did not make it. And it was very um, kind of surprising as to why there was no vocal opposition to it at all. So why? If, if, if that's the if that's those are the facts of the matter, why did Congress decide that that this was not worth including, even though it was well, one, how widely expected was it to be in there? And um, why didn't it happen? Well, I think we can only speculate as to why it didn't happen. Um, not be su- we wouldn't be surprised if these provisions were not included uh, in the omnibus bill just due to pressure by the Justice Department. It's a very profitable program, and um, you know the Justice Department does not want to see it ended. And so the unfortunate part is that rather than vocally supporting this policy. Um, it's being done. The support is kind of being done quietly because um, defenders of, of civil forfeiture are afraid to do so publicly. Uh, but if you look at, you know, other than the Justice Department and Attorney General Sessions, no policymaker has really come out supporting civil forfeiture and especially adoptive forfeitures. And now, now states can respond to this. Uh, can they can they not prohibit uh, their local law enforcement agencies from accepting funds that do not come from the General Assembly or the state legislature? Well, they can. It's a little trickier. And there's some states that have enacted the so-called anti-circumvention provisions, um, which say that we want equitable uh, forfeiture proceeds that come from this program to be directed in the way the state has declared so that if the state says forfeiture proceeds should go to the common school fund or the general fund, that that's where 
the 80 percent of the bounty they get should go. But the Justice Department takes an opposite view. And according to their policy guidelines, um, if they do not give the forfeiture proceeds directly back to law enforcement, they are simply cut off from the program entirely. So it's a little bit of a, of a complicated situation. The, the easier solution and the, the cleanest way is to have Congress actually come forward and act and say, um, one, to, to just uh, put an end to adoptive forfeitures. There's no reason why state and local law enforcement officials on the ground should be able to circumvent what the people in the state have decided should be the policy about um, uh, forfeiture in general. Um, and beyond that, there can be a congressional uh, provision that says uh, even if you are going to have this program, law enforcement official must comply with what the states have said uh, forfeiture should look like. There's very little even a year into the Trump White House that we can predict he will or will not sign. Remember, he threatened Connie Burton, the uh, state representative from Texas, saying – Tell me who's uh, tell me who's trying to get rid of this will ruin his career. Not realizing, of course, that it's a woman, a fellow Republican, and, and representing Texas, uh, and she wanted to get rid of uh, some forms of civil asset forfeiture. So, what is Congress to do now? I mean, are they are they just little fraidy cats? Well. I think, uh, you know, the, the vast majority of Americans support um, reform here. Eighty four percent of Americans oppose civil forfeiture. Uh, no one in America should really lose their property without being convicted of a crime to begin with. And even the Republican and Democratic Party platforms support uh, forfeiture reform. And even law enforcement agencies have conceded that some measure of reform is needed. So I don't think the question is so much as, you know, why, uh, whether we need reform, but uh, the ways in which we can make sure that Congress acts on that and um, can pass significant comprehensive reform soon. Uh, it's coming up on about three years now since the Judiciary Committees of both the House and the Senate held hearings on the need to reform federal forfeiture laws. And I think we're, we're, we look forward to the leadership um, of both of both houses to um, re-engage on this issue and um, support their commitment that they've expressed very publicly in the past about uh, reforming forfeiture being a high priority. And this is truly one of those unique issues that we can get action on because it is so bipartisan and it's supported broadly across the spectrum. Um, in contrast to other issues that are, you know, uh, very delicate and it's kind of heated and no one really agrees on what to do, whether it's gun control or immigration or um, whatever issue there is, reforming our federal forfeiture laws is something that unites us all. Uh, and the only opponents are the law enforcement lobby. And so it's just a matter of overcoming that. Darpana Sheth is an attorney at the Institute for Justice. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 